0: Welcome to the Centro Church Podcast. To find out more about Centro Church, please visit us at centrochurch.com.au or download our smartphone app today. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Brett Turner. I'm the youth and young adults pastor here, uh, amongst other things. Um, If you've never met me before, come up and say hello. If you've met me before and you don't like me, then I guess you could see me in the car park or. Whatever you want to do, it's totally up to you. No, um, I'd love to come and meet you if I've never met you before. So come up and say hi. Um, everybody all good? Rain? You're good? Nobody's still underwater? So, okay, it's good. <laughs> tonight I want to have a look at a scripture, uh, I guess our foundation scripture for tonight. Uh, the title of my message tonight is called Shocked to the Core. Um, now I've got an apple on stage here. And uh, it's just going to stay there for a while just to build like intrigue and mystery. Like what's he going to use the apple for? Is he going to eat it? Is he going to throw it at somebody? Who knows? You're just going to... Don't go to the toilet. Don't grab a drink. Stay tuned. Find out what the apple's going to do there. Now We'll look at that much later on. But uh, I want to have a look at our foundation scripture tonight. It's found in the book of Acts. And I'll just give you a bit of context before we actually go there. Uh, So Acts 14... Uh, is where we're going to kind of park ourselves tonight. So Acts 14 is two lads by the name of Paul and Silas uh, uh, in an area which was known as Asia Minor at the time. We know it as modern-day Turkey now. Uh, And so they're traveling throughout Asia Minor, preaching the gospel, planting churches, establishing churches... Uh, you know, just breathing life into that area. There's hundreds of churches popping up. There's thousands of people coming to know who Jesus Christ is. So I guess all in all, in terms of the church history, it's a really flourishing, really succeeding time. And so Paul and Silas are are out preaching. They're preaching, then establishing. Then the churches are growing. And uh, so we we kind of find them in the middle of this uh, in chapter 14, verses 21 and 20 verses 21 to 22 they've seen some great miracles they've had some challenges they've been heralded as the greek gods uh but we pick up the story in 14 verses 20 to 21 21 to 22 it says after preaching the good news in derby and making many disciples paul and sorry it's barnabas silas was he was just like a side player um no, Silas wasn't there. It was Paul and Barnabas, returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Poseidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And we'll stop there. Now, at first glance, it looks like a bit of an oxymoron. It looks like a bit of a, a weird statement. Paul and Barnabas are preaching the good news. And then they reminded that we must suffer hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now, to me, that sounds like a bit of an oxymoron. It sounds like a bit of a, hang on, didn't you just say it was good news, but we've got to suffer hardships to enter. Now, and, you know, this is, this is about 30 to 40 years after Jesus has died, and Christianity is still very much new. It's very much fresh on the scene. And uh, if I was propagating a new religion or a new following, I certainly wouldn't be saying, hey, to enter, you've got to suffer hardships. Like, that wouldn't be on our banner. Like, our, our saying here at Centro is, people connected, communities transformed. It wouldn't work. People connected, suffering. Like, it just doesn't, doesn't roll off the tongue like, people connected, communities transformed. Or, or people suffering entering the kingdom of God. It just doesn't have the same kind of weight. But anyhow, that's what they were, and, and the churches were flourishing. And and if I was to start a business, there wouldn't be the word suffer anywhere in my business statement. There wouldn't be this, the word suffer anywhere in my mission statement. I'd be keeping that well and truly out. But surely Paul knew something when he used that term. And uh, before we go any further, I'm going to unpack that tonight. But before we go any further, I think we should pray. Lord, I just thank you that, uh, Lord, you are a living and breathing God. And I pray that you would just breathe something fresh into our spirit. Lord, that you would bring uh, something new, something revelationary into our into our lives tonight. Lord, I pray that your word would go out and it would not come back wanting. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would just anoint everybody here to hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, any teachers in the room? Do we have any teachers in the room? Okay, I apologize for this next story. And anybody that's under the age of 17, I have since repented of this. Uh, This is not uh, licensed to go and do this, but um, when I was in grade 7, so we were in grade 7, and um, it was, anybody ever done relief teaching I've just got to say, relief teachers, I take my hat off to you if I was wearing one, because there is nothing harder than being a relief teacher in a primary school, Uh, because, I don't know, you're able to establish order where you have uh, the kids all the time, but when you're a relief teacher, everybody knows that the relief teacher, you can pull the wool over their eyes, or we thought as grade sevens in our 12-year-old wisdom, we could. So anyway, it's it's, I think it was about the same time. So uh, it was raining outside, and 12-year-olds and rain don't mix, especially when they're in a the classroom. So it's, it's raining outside. Everybody's feral inside the classroom. Like It is just bedlam. And uh, I, I, remember, I remember kind of being there. I was actually the school captain at the time. Um, so it is what it is. Uh, like I said, I've since repented. The Lord has forgiven me, and uh, we've moved on. Um, but so it was just bedlam. There was there was kids everywhere. Just and I really really felt sorry for this poor relief teacher that was just trying to get through the day, just trying to get to three o'clock so that she could I don't know clock out and get her pay. But it was just cr- and and for the most part, our class was really good kids, really smart kids, really switched on kids. And perhaps that was the problem. Um, but this. All of, all of a sudden, this day, it just seemed to all go wrong. And, and there was one kid that was locked in the computer room. Uh, there was We had a computer room that had two computers that were about yay big. Um, and so there was one kid that was locked in the computer room. Everybody was going crazy. There was paper planes going everywhere. And um, I just remember, uh, then there, like, all of a sudden, just this whack. And uh, the, the classroom door opened, and it was the deputy principal. And um, lovely woman. Um, but when she got really angry, she sounded like a bulldog, and um, and so it it was, it was this, this this massive whack, and everybody just kind of stands, stands to attention, and just stares at her, and then she proceeds to go on a five minute rant that pretty much this is all that I got. <laughs> that's pretty much all that I could make out. I'm, I apologise if that's broken the microphone. Um, and I remember, so we as a class were marched out um, onto the... There, there was a lawn out the front of our, our classroom and we were marched out and we just had to stand there for about five minutes while the um, the deputy principal was consoling the, uh, the relief teacher. And uh, then anyway, so we're all kind of standing there. And I don't know if you've ever had this, but when your friend looks at you and um, you just, you get the giggles, like it's the worst feeling ever. And I'm the school captain and my friend... Who was um, my friend had somehow managed to get back into the classroom and was peering over the um, over the the window as we're getting berated on the front yard and um, and so anyway so we and I know so Apple's still here is it still building intrigue I promise I'll bring it to land there's going to be a point to the story. But So my friend is there, and I just I got the giggles, and I could not stop. And so I'm snickering, I'm giggling, there's like tears coming out of my eyes because I'm trying to like hold on in this giggle because my friend is making the most stupid faces in the window. And anyway, the deputy principal looks straight at me, and there's snot coming out because I'm just like, I'm really holding it in at this point. <laughs> and, uh, and she goes, Turn up! I am shocked to the core that you acted like this, and uh, so the title of my message tonight is "Shocked to the Core," and uh, I'll I'll explain why in just a tick. But I was thinking about that saying "shocked to the core." What does it mean? What like what what is what is the core of somebody? Is it like their liver? Is it their kidneys? Like what what is somebody's core? if we were like, you know, we can cut an apple and it's pretty easy to define what its core is, but we can't cut a human and define what their core is. Like, what, what does that even mean? Like, was she shocked to her spleen? Was she sl- shocked to her, you know, her lungs and stuff? What, 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 what defines what a core is and how do you get shocked to the core? And, uh, you know, maybe she was talking about her abs. Maybe she was, you know, talking about her core strength area and that's, you know she was shocked to the core and so her abs had to tighten and there was like a six pack there if you knew the woman it wasn't true um but what does it what does it mean to be shocked to the core what is somebody's core what are your core you know we use we throw out terms like core beliefs these are the core systems of government these are the core things that we build a foundation on and i think you know we kind of use that term flippantly sometimes. What does it actually mean to be shocked to the core? And what does that have to do with church? What does that have to do with the passage I read earlier? Tune in. Don't go to the toilet. You don't want to miss it. But I see, this is what I would argue. I would argue that your core is, it's your processing center. It's where you build your perceptions of a thing. You can build your perceptions on politics. That comes from your core. It's not an organ. It's not, uh, you know, it's not something that we can necessarily define. It is how your perception of yourself, how your perception of God, that actually comes from your core. And how is your core built? I actually believe that your core is built at your most vulnerable time. That that your your core processing unit or or where your decision making comes from actually is defined in your most vulnerable time. And and see, the important part is is that that if, if our core is defined at our most vulnerable time, then our perceptions actually are formed in our most vulnerable time. And, and see, this is actually what I believe the Apostle Paul was talking about when he wrote that letter. In, uh, sorry, when, when he was talking to the believers at, at this place that you know, you're going to have to go through hardships to enter the kingdom of God because you're going to actually have to, it's through that hard time, it's through that, that, that thing that, that sometimes grinds your gears, that's actually where your core belief system will be processed. That's where it will be built. And, and I believe that God is not the God of the exterior. He's the God of the core. So I believe that God doesn't really care what we look like. God doesn't even care what we do, but He actually cares about our core. And, and, and see, to be shocked to the core, I think, is to come to a point where we can actually have real change in our belief processes, in our belief systems, because that's actually when we're shocked to the core, that's, that's when we have the point of being able to make real adjustment. And when God gets involved in our core, it's incredible. And it can literally change the face of generations. It can change legacy forever. And see, I believe that that Paul reminded the believers in Asia Minor that, you know, God, that, that, you know, you're going to have to go through suffering. You're going to have to go through hardship because God wants to get invested in your core, core. Not God is causing the trouble, but God is going to use those moments so that he can breathe into your core so that, you know, because... Pastor John spoke last week. You know, so many people see the church or see Christianity as behavior management. God doesn't care about your behavior. He cares about your core system. He cares about your core being. And, uh, you know, I think that our core is at the most vulnerable, and it's on display the most when we're going through those tough times. And I'm going to cut the apple now. Here we go. Does anybody else want to meet me in the car park? No, I'm joking. It's the core. Did the apple suffer? It got cut in half. There's like apple tears on the inside. But the thing is, it, it actually exposes the core. And, and see, I think that so many times we kind of think this the, this whole Jesus thing or or this whole Christianity thing is just going to be smooth sailing that, that if if I, if I come to Jesus then all my problems will go they're all going to disappear it's all going to be a-okay from here and, and while yes your salvation is complete I, I, I believe that the real kind when the rubber meets the road when your core is exposed and God gets involved yes it's incredible but I tell you what it's not the easiest road and uh, See, I think p- the person that understood this the most, aside from the Apostle Paul, was the disciple Peter. Um, Peter was an interesting cat, went through a lot of crazy experiences, uh, came to Jesus as a fisherman. Jesus said, follow me. He pretty much said, yeah, okay. And, uh, but there was a lot of times when Peter's belief system was just utterly shattered. He was cut to the core or shocked to the core. And, and see, I think that Peter had the same idea about Christianity or coming to Christ that even I do sometimes. Like, I think to myself, why the heck am I going through this? Aren't I, you know, aren't I the first and not the last? Aren't I the head and not the tail? But I think that there's actually a deeper thing at play. And our, our perception of salvation is this. See, we think that salvation is sanitized. Salvation is safety, but it's not. Salvation is sanctification. And the process of sanctification is a process. And so many times we want it to be done in an instant. Jesus did 37 miracles in his time that were recorded on the Bible. No doubt he did more, but there was still hundreds of thousands of people in his sphere of influence that didn't receive a miracle, but they still came to him because they understood. And went through countless hardships. The early church, for the first 300 years, was hunted down and killed. And uh, and and so to kind of to get them, if they were to sit here and sit in an air-conditioned building, I think they would just absolutely die. Um, because for them, when they were cut to the core, it was they considered it pure joy, because they understood that it was God actually doing something in them and through them at the core. See, Peter had several moments where he was shocked to the core, and his entire perception, his entire, uh, I guess, functioning system was recalibrated. And, and probably the most famous, uh, I guess, encounter that Peter had was when Jesus said to Peter, uh, who do they say that I am, Pete? And uh, Or Simon, it was at the time. And uh, he goes, well, uh, you know, they say that you're this and they say that you're that but you're the messiah and, and jesus says to him you know no longer are you called simon but you're now going to be called peter which means rock and, and so peter's on the surface level peter's name had changed and uh, and i guess to the outside outsider looking in to a certain degree his demeanor had changed because that label had now been given to him but then at the cross peter was shocked to the core uh, when, when when Jesus was taken away to get crucified, Peter denied Jesus three times, which isn't very rock-like, if you ask me. But, and, and see, tonight, and I actually believe that this is a word for some people here, tonight you might be here and you might be struggling with something, you might be frustrated with something, you might be going through a hardship or or something of that nature, but can I... I just want to remind you and tell you that God is in the habit of using hardships to change your core and to breathe into your core. And uh, see, Peter, later on in life, old man Peter, wrote in um, in 1 Peter 5.10 to a, a group of believers, he said, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered, it's that word again, a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation see some translations actually say that he will establish you see two thoughts from this passage and then we're done and i just want to remind anybody that if you're a young adult in the house uh stick around because we're going to be watching a movie afterwards um i think the blind side won, um so it's going to be a heartwarming move, movie so uh you know bring you tissues we've got plenty of tissues so young adults 12 uh Grade 12 to 30, join us afterwards. But two thoughts from this passage in Peter. I'll read it again. In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus, so that after you have suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you. And He will place you on a firm foundation. See, the word foundation in this passage is the same uh, root word that we actually get the word core. And, uh, and, and, so, and, and so I want to answer two questions. Why does God access my core? And two, how does God access my core? Why does God access my core, your core? It's because your core is the greatest determinant of your future. If I could, you know, you know the saying, show me your friends, show me your future. There's truth in that. But if you show me your core, I can tell you how you're going to go. Because your core is is a sum total of all of those things. And so your core actually determines where you will be. It will determine how successful you are. It will determine how you will conquer failure. It will determine so much stuff. So why does God want to access your core? Because that's where he wants to get involved. And that's what he wants to tweak. And that's what he wants to then build upon. And, uh, And so I think so many times we can become... Uh, So content with just changing the flesh We can change just the outside bit, but it's it's god wants to get on the inside God wants to deal with you where it matters. God wants to deal with you where everything comes out of and and tonight I just want to tell you if you're going through something hard I believe that god wants to use this not to Not to define you, but I believe that god wants to use that process to refine you And uh, when God gets in, because I think that sometimes we have this image of Jesus as an interior decorator. Jesus is not an interior decorator. Uh, You know, okay, let's just put some, we'll put some nice curtains over those bad words that you use. And uh, we'll just, we'll we'll paint over, you know, that, that stuff that you do. Jesus isn't about being an interior decorator. Jesus, is, Jesus will impact you at your foundation. He will impact you at your call. He, he won't just come in and, and repaint you. He will restump you. He will re-establish you. He will refine you. And, and I think so many times we're just happy to have the outside done. And, uh, you know, I, I know some people, and I think that, you know, they say that they put wax on apples to make them appear a whole lot nicer. And I think there's some people who have just been putting so much wax on Wax on, wax on, wax on, wax on, wax on, wax on, wax on. And no wax off. Um, But so they've been putting so much wax on the outside of their apple, so to speak, in terms of, you know, themselves uh, that... that there's no ability for God to actually cut to the core because we've just been so used to just putting on the makeup face, the Christian face. I can say the words, I can do the dance, I can raise my hands in the uh, you know just after the bridge of the second song. I think we just get so used to it, and, and we become so Christianized. See, we're not called to be Christianized; we're called to be like Christ. And uh, and so I I believe that tonight. Um, God actually wants to get back into your core. And, uh, and I think he wants to do business with you as well. They say that, they say that when people... Uh, before that, I'll get to this. See, the reason... And uh, Peter talked about foundation. And uh, when you see an apple tree... You see a massive apple tree with the trunk that's huge, with the the branches that overhang, the leaves and the fruit. And if you look at that apple tree and you ask yourself, what's the foundation of that apple tree? It's not the trunk. It's not the roots. It's not even the leaves or the fruit that's on it. It's the seed of the apple that it came from. And where is the seed of the apple? It's found in the core. And, and see, I think that so, so many times, we, uh, because we're not willing to work on the core, we're not li- willing to let God have access to our core, that there's people that the seed has been planted, but the tree's growing all skew if, and, and we're blaming all the foundations, we're blaming the trunk, we're blaming the roots, we're blaming the leaves, but the, the problem was that when it was in its seed form, when it was most vulnerable, because this is the most vulnerable point of an apple, where you can see the seeds, the seeds can be picked out, they can be crushed. But it's at this point as well that I believe that God actually does a major work in our lives. When we're exposed, that God actually breathes on it. And uh, you know, I think that one of the sad things things is when you see people that are 30 years after something horrible has happened, and they've never actually dealt with or allowed God into the core issue. And they're still struggling. They've still got that bitterness. There's still that, that thing that's holding them back. But if they could just allow God to take hold of the core, it would be incredible. And, and, and their destiny, their future would just be huge. They would be like a strong tree that's planted by the water side. And they say, they say this, that 68% of people, if, if 68% of people were to, um, sorry, if everybody was to win gold lotto, only 68% of people would be able to handle the wealth because, because people are so, uh, you know, it, it, it's the when and then mentality. And, and so many times we want God to rescue us from the external problem, but, but we won't actually let him have access to our core. We won't actually let him have access to our hurts. We won't actually let him have access to the thing that, that we always seem to come back to. We always seem to come back to this issue. We always seem to come back to this, whether it be a hurt, whether it be a, an identity thing. For Peter, it was an identity thing. And, uh, and we never actually go back to the core of the issue and allow God have, to have access to that core. And, and we just put wax on the outside of it. We make it up. We make it up. We make it up. And, uh, and, and see, so your, your struggle, your hardship that you faced, I believe it's preparation for the seed of your future. And I believe that, that God wants your future to be a mighty tree that grows, that grows tall, produces much fruit. And uh, see, God is with you in that moment. And, and so many times we can, we can pray that God would take away the symptoms, but we actually don't let God have access to the core issue. And, and see, Abraham's ability to leave a legacy was seeded in his time of barrenness. And in that time of barrenness when Abraham was a 100 and all of his child-rearing days were gone, God was still preparing him so that when the seed of his future came, he was able to leave that legacy. See, King David's ability to lead the nation was seeded in a time of loneliness when he was out by himself tending the sheep. See, you might be going through something tonight or, or this week or this month or even this year that you've been going through for a, a season, but, but I want you to know that God is with you in that season and He's actually using that moment to refine you so that when, you're, when, when the tree of your future is planted, it will go straight and it will grow tall. And, and I want you to know that God is in that. God, God is not causing that, but God is with you. And, and don't allow your experience to actually come down to the point where, where you redefine how you see God, where you redefine how you see yourself in God, because there's circumstances around you that don't seem conducive to uh, what we would determine as a smooth sail in terms of Christianity. Because I believe that it's in that time, if you actually allow God access to that thing to that hardship to that struggle that you actually are prepared for the next season in life and it's not to say that you're going to go through something harder but God is actually preparing you in that seed form when your core is exposed. See Peter says that God has called us to that eternal glory and, and, and see I think that our concept of eternity is the then mentality. Eternity is forever and I think that sometimes we get we think that eternity starts when we 're actually with the Lord in eternity, but our eternity has already started there there is an alive part to your eternity, and then there is a part of your eternity when you 're with your heavenly father and I think so many times we, we, so many times we can just get that oh our, well, our salvation is secure i 'm just happy but but uh what Peter says is that uh <laughs> God will restore, support, and strengthen you and place you on a firm foundation. Now, that doesn't sound like when you're in heaven, God's going to strengthen you, affirm you. I believe that he's talking about the part of your eternity that served here on earth. And, uh, and, and I believe that God has actually called us not to perfection, but he's called us to become perfect. And, and so many times I think we can just stand there and want, want perfection to happen and we're not willing to move. But, but I, I think when, when we allow God to exposure to our core, then we're prepared for what he's going to give us in the future. And then how does God have access to our core? And uh, two words, and I'm just going to ask the musicians to join me on stage. Two words on how God accesses our core. And I, I believe it, is through a number of, it can be through a number of circumstances, can be through a number of, of instances, but essentially it comes down to these two words, encounter, sorry, expose and encounter. I, I believe that when we're willing to expose that part of our life that causes us pain when we're willing to expose that, uh, that thing that we've kept hidden or thing that we've, we, we've used to fall back on, whatever it might be, and we actually allow that to encounter the love, encounter the presence of God, I believe that that's when God really gets access to the core and that's when it really starts to happen. And I would really want to encourage you, if you've never been on one of our encounter retreats that's coming up in, uh, in, in just a couple of weeks, I think about six or seven weeks, then I really encourage you because that's when, we, that's when we do this. We actually allow God access to our core so that the, the presence and the power of God can, can, can breathe new life, can, can actually de- redefine what He says about us and, and our perception of what God is. So I really encourage you, if you've never taken the time and taken the $85, I tell you it's cheap for, for just the incredible potential that it can unlock. And, uh, you know, who knows how many seeds are lying dormant in your core that God wants to breathe on, that God wants to have access to, that are going to cause an incredible tree of fruit to come from that. And and I really want to encourage you, take the time to unlock those seeds. Take the time for God to breathe on those things. And, uh, you know, I I think that, and I really believe that I'm speaking to to some people specifically tonight, and uh, you know, you've you've gone through the motions, but there's been some, some challenges that you've just gone, okay, well that's par for the course and you've glossed over it. And you've never actually taken the time to allow God to have access to that. To allow God's transformative power to renew that situation so that it will set you up for your future. So that when the tree grows, it grows straight and it grows tall and it produces much fruit. Well, I just want to you know, and, and we're not going to do anything weird. We're not going to do any, We're not going to get you at the front. I just want the opportunity to pray for you and, and just have that, that step of faith that you know. Hey, I acknowledge that that's me because I believe that we can be saved in an instant. You know, if you believe that the Lord Jesus died on a cross and ro- and rose from the dead, and you confess with your mouth, then you are saved. I believe that that happens in an instant. But I believe that God is transforming us into completeness. And, uh, and and you know maybe you're here tonight and uh, you know you've been struggling with something. There's, there's been something that's just been grading you for a while, and, and and you know you can almost pinpoint where you started to to develop that train of thought or where you started to develop that thinking pattern or that that perception pattern. And uh, I just want you know we're just gonna I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand and we're just gonna ask that that God would just begin to speak to you that you know through His through the scripture or through somebody else that he'd just begin to tell you what he wants to refine you into and use that time that you are vulnerable to actually empower you for an incredible future. I'm just gonna ask if every head could be bowed and every eye closed, just while we have this moment of intimacy with God. If you're here tonight and and, and you know you, you've gone through struggles and you've gone through through trials, but the result hasn't been that it's been it's set you up for the future. The result has been that it's just it's made you frustrated. It's made you bitter. It's made you uh, angry. And and whenever there's that point that it comes back to, it's like somebody's just sticking their finger in a wound. I just want, if if that's you tonight, I just want to pray for you. If if you could just lift up your right hand so that I know who I'm praying for. Um, if that's you, just lift up your right hand. Awesome. There's hands going up awesome. You can put your hand down. Look, maybe you're here tonight and, and you've never actually taken the time to align your life with Jesus Christ. You know, uh, we talk about how God uses situations and when he, has, when he has access to your core, but maybe you've never actually made that decision that, hey, I want to align my life with Jesus Christ and I want to ha- give Him access to not just my core to my everything. Maybe that's you tonight and uh, just with every head bowed and every eye closed, if if that's you, I just want you to stick your right hand up as well just so I you can acknowledge it. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Nobody else. Thank, thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Brilliant. Lord, I just thank you for both sets of people that, that raised their hand tonight. Lord, I just pray that that, Lord, that situation that is almost vivid in their minds, that situation that's almost uh, always in the forefront, Lord, I pray that you would breathe new life into it. Lord, I, I pray that you would restore. I pray that you would heal properly. Lord, that there would just be a, a, a touch of heaven and a touch of purpose that comes from that. And, Lord, I just pray that as people are vulnerable, Lord, that, that you would just speak into that. Lord, that you, you would uh, encounter them at that point. And, Lord, that you would just bring restoration. You would bring revival in that situation. And, Lord, I just thank you for, Lord, people acknowledging you as their Lord and Savior. I uh, just pray that your spirit would be with them. Your spirit would be upon them. And, Lord, that, that, that as you breathe into their life, Lord, that they, they would see lasting transformation. Lord, you're not just the God of the outside clean, but, Lord, you're the God of impacting people's futures. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, Amen. What do we sing? I came for a slave, I'm just a shame. Despite. All